it's happened. I did a talk at a furniture store, and now I'm in a coffee shop, so I don't know. Uh, the furniture store was good because everyone had couches. It was really nice. Yeah, they drifted it away very easily. But uh, I think the talk was supposed to be out, uh, be about everyone's addicted to something, yes? So everyone has the uh, experience of having an active mind, yes? Thought system going on and on and on. And so I would say the first addiction is mind to the idea of being a self. And that feeling of being a self is a long-lasting, it's a sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It is not the ego. The ego is a mental construction. The sense of self is a vague feeling. So when something's happening, or when something's being done, there's a feeling of you as the doer, yes? That would be the sense of self. The sense of self would be when thoughts are seen, there's a feeling that I'm the thinker of those thoughts, yes? So there's always a claiming involved in the sense of self. The self doesn't actually have a life, so it claims one. So a simpler way to show it simply is if I put some words up here, and let's say I put money up there, and I put sex up there, and I put relationships up there, and everyone, based on their situation, would give a meaning to those words, yes? If you didn't have any money, it would mean more to you than someone who has money. So there'd be money, relationship, and sex. Now, all I need to do is add one little word, and it changes everything. And that would be my money, my sex, my relationships. Yeah? There are so many freaking stories written about my money, my sex, and my relationships. The my is the act of being identified as, or the act of claiming. So this feeling of being a self that the mind's addicted to is a constant source of becoming because it can never be a self. There isn't a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. There is not one. But the selfing, which is a product of a mental process, is constantly becoming, yes? Becoming, but can never culminate into being a self. So it has to be going on all the time. That's why people suffer from obsession with self, because the only way the self will continue to appear to be true is if the mind's obsessed over the idea. Once the obsession stops, there wouldn't be the production of this sense of self. In other words, when we were born, the first year or two of, of uh, life, there was no sense of self. It's a product of a mental process. The mental process has to develop to a certain point where it's what I call selfing. That selfing captures the interest and the tension of the mind, yes? And you take yourself to be what this pre process is presenting, that you're a body. Yeah. As soon as the body identification is in place, now mind now has a fixed object to think about. And what it does, it thinks about it somewhere else at some other time all day. Yeah. So when you go into the past, when the thoughts go into the past, the, how, do you, how, is it your, how does the thought system present you when you think about you in the past? It presents you as a body, yes? When you think about last year, you think about last year as you in a body. And when you're worrying about what's going to happen to you in the future, the you that that's, be, that, that's re being represented by is a body, yes? So the thought system that we're relying on, which I would call self-centeredness, which is unreliable, that thought system that we're relying on presents you as a body. If you're listening to it all day, which most of us are, Everyone is, everyone is hearing it, but when you're engaged in it, you're listening to it. When you're listening to it, you're listening to it as either on the thinker or they're about me. That's called the bondage of self. Yeah? The bondage of self is what most of us are trying to get relief from. 
So the mind is addicted to the idea of being a self. It can never be a self, so it's always in the act of becoming. So it's always agitated, always working overtime. Yeah? So every time, let's say, anger moves through this apparatus, this action figure, the mind claims it, and if it happens enough, you will now deem yourself to be an angry person. Yeah? So it will see the verbs occurring in life, and as it's seeing the verbs occurring in life, it claims it as a noun. Yes? You're the one that's doing it. You're the one that's pissed off. You're the one who's worrying about next week. Instead of just seeing that the mind's worrying about next week. Yeah. If you could see that, that life is just happening, instead of happening to you, your whole experience here would be quite different. What I call it is traveling lighter. It doesn't promise that you'll change the geography of your life, because no one can do that. But it, you will travel lighter over all the terrain that your life has an offer. Yeah? Whatever is meant to happen to you as an action figure, you'll travel lighter through it. And that's the whole point of the my. When the my drops out, it's not my life anymore, it's life. So I see life as happening, not to me. Yeah? As soon as it makes that turn, and then there's this self-important loop. This is called obsession with self, and it's really bondage to this idea of being self. And it promotes a lot of suffering. Once the suffering starts occurring, you seek relief, and that's when the other addictions appear. So like for me, I, was, uh, I suffered from alcoholism and addiction, drug addiction. I've been sober and clean about 24 years now. So my first solution to alcoholism, which was this irritability, restlessness, and discontent, being obsessed over something I'm not, my first solution to that was to get loaded. When I got loaded, I got a little relief from the primary addiction. But that addiction started producing its own consequences, yes? And it never brought any lasting relief from the primary addiction. And no matter how many other addictions you have, you never go back to the primary one. Because the primary one, you don't feel you have it. You take it to be you. It's different, yeah? When I did coke, which I did quite a lot of, cocaine, not Coca-Cola, when I did cocaine, and I did quite a lot of it, I never, one, never reached the point where I became cocaine. I never did so much that I actually became coke. There was always a clear difference between me and cocaine, yes? It was a state of, I'm not that. But we're even past that obsession. We're identified as what we're addicted to. The mind is identified as being a self. And when the mind's identified as being a self, no matter how hostile the effects of that is, you'll never be able to entertain being free of it. You only entertain being free as it. Yeah? It's usually different. Most people are trying to get out of self as self, and there's no way to get out of what you're not actually in. There's no freaking way. So when you're attempting to get out of self, that's actually being in self. Yeah? Because it's like a predator and prey. In the jungle, when a predator and a prey meet, the predator usually knows it because it's got its you know, teeth around the neck of the prey. But in this case... This mental little parasite called selfing has you by you trying to move away from it. The more, it's like, it's really trippy. If you go to bookstores now, there's a lot of books about how to get into the moment, yeah? How, how to really get into the moment, and then how to really, really get into the moment, and how to authentically get into the moment. <laughs> All based on the assumption that you could be out of the moment. I'm saying you can't be out of any moment you've been in. <laughs> you are the moment. You're not in one. 
and therefore you can't be out of it. You are the moment. Without you, there ain't no moment. <laughs> so many people are trying to get out of, of, trying to get into what they can't get out of. <laughs> and then, conversely, they're trying to get out of what they can't be in. They're trying to get out of this idea of self, but you, it's impossible that you are one. Yeah? So, this is just about clarifying the situation. Stop trying to get into something you can't be out of, and stop trying to get out of what you can't be in. Because if I go and study two years how to get up out of obsession with self, that could be construed as obsession with self. Yes? <laughs> the more I study about self would be more obsession with it. Yeah? And I notice the people who are in the process of getting out of self are the ones who are talking about self more than anyone else. Constantly talking about how obsessed they are with what they're trying to get out of. You have to see the combination there. Yeah? You're trying to get out of it as being in it. Yeah? So, when I had this hostile thing called alcoholism, which is like a parasite, it's like a mental parasite, it took over the host, and when it took over the host, it was definitely a very hostile takeover, so the natural response of the host would be to throw off the parasite. Yeah? That would be your natural inclination. Hey, something's got me, and it's treating me really bad, I want to throw it off. But the parasite has an incredible strategy. It convinces the host that it's the host. Yeah. So the selfing, the process, this mental process, convinces you are the product of the process. So when you're identified with that parasite, no matter how hostile the takeover it is, you cannot entertain being free of it, because you're taking yourself to be it. So therefore you take a route of therapy, trying to socialize it, maybe you won't flip out in the next picnic you go to, or maybe you'll have a one month long relationship in your life that works. And your idea of success gets smaller and smaller and smaller because you have to tolerate something that's totally intolerable. Because your mind can't entertain being free of it because you're identified as it. Yes? You've, you've passed way past the point of obsession. Have you ever seen those movies where uh, a lady gets uh, obsessed with a starlet and starts wearing the same clothes and then starts looking up her boyfriend's numbers and calling them? Starts going out with her boyfriend's numbers, starts killing her boyfriends, then, you know, kills her to become her. And you go, well, that was insane. You're way past there. <laughs> you're already identified. You're, you're like, in the state of identification, you can go through tons of obsessions and never, never, never see the original one, which is the addiction to self. I mean, it's like Dracula will... will Joyously go on, joyfully go on all the hunts for vampires and kill everyone he meets, but he has total protection because you never see that he's the vampire. Yeah? So this idea of being addicted to this, and then what you're addicted to causes you to forget your nature and take on its nature to be you, and then you'll defend the right to be fucked up. You'll write tons of poems about it. You'll have huge phone bills because of all the people you have to call to get some kind of agreement about how fucked up you are. But the point is, most of the anxiety is coming from what's not happening. Yeah. Right now, there is no threat here, except maybe I'll go on a long time talking and you'll be bored to death or whatever. We have locked the doors, so there's no way out. So there is basically no apparent threat here, but a lot of people may not be responding to that. Because they're reacting to their head, yes? And in their head, they're very, 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 very attentive to what's not happening. There are thoughts about next week, yeah? 
on a lot of thoughts about next week, and our attention and interest has gone with those thoughts, and for all intents and purposes, we are there, not here. But what happens is, is when you entertain there, like, what's going to happen to me next week? That entertaining downloads an experience now, here. Yeah, because all there is is this now. So no matter where you think you are there and then, it's only now. And the only place there's an effect is now. And so the now comes from an imaginary field. It doesn't exist. Yeah? It's only through mental anxiety you produce an effect what you would call fear. But the fear isn't a, a natural response because there's nothing right now threatening you. So, and in, in one's life, if you were lucky, maybe 12 or 15 times you'd have the fearful emotion arise when you were being chased or something like that. Now, in mental anxiety, that physiological effect called fear is being activated 30, 40 times a day. Basically, you're burnt out. It's like getting shocked. And no one else can see why, because it's not actually happening. <laughs> and it's really a bitch to try to communicate it, because it's not actually happening. <laughs> and they're in what's not happening, but it's usually a different day and a different time than your what's not happening. <laughs> Very difficult to communicate. But what would be the solution to the effects of what's not happening? If you didn't like those effects, what would be the solution to those effects? Maybe recognizing they're not happening. Because if they're not happening, what more do you need to do? Then see they're not happening. It's a timeless solution. If they're not happening, there's nothing to do. There's just a seeing of that. Yeah? As soon as you see that's not happening, where is your attention and interest in? Now. Yeah? This is where your life gets enriched, not in what's not happening. This is where there's the joy. This is the only place that, where presence is. The presence is not in the past and the future. And the presence is not for you. You're never going to get it. It's actually your inherent absence is the presence. If you want to have an experience of presence, that's not presence. Because presence can't be experienced. Presence is a state of mind unencumbered by the bondage to self. Yeah. What you truly are, its presence, its presence is your inherent absence. If you're taken to be so, that has to seem to be not so to you. That's the only way you seem to be so. Yeah? If you become the Alpha and Omega, you have to deny the Alpha and the Omega. There can't be two Alphas and Omegas. Yeah? So, it's, if it's, so that's what happens here. Right now, we're all in conscious contact, if you like it or not. You're seeing, you're hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching. Yes? And you're also seeing thoughts like the eye would see birds out of, through, by a window. The mind sees thoughts. It's another sense. Yeah? So we're all right now experiencing conscious contact, and every one of us would have the same experience. From this point of view, it would be I'm looking at you. Yes? I'm looking at you, and there's 30 U's. So there's the I looking at you. And then from your point of view, it's I looking at you. So in, from here, that's a you. And from there, this is a you. Now what happens, alright? If I bring four million people here, they'd all have the same idea of me. You. <laughs> they go, I'm seeing you. Yeah? If I bring eight million people, same answer. I'm seeing you. Yeah? And then every time I look at everyone else, I'm seeing you. What happens with the mental process? I would say the I is awareness or conscious contact. That's what's having an experience here. 
So the I is true, I've seen, but when I ask who is this I, I say it's me. Yeah? Now what is a me? Me is just an identified you. Isn't it? Just like you view me as a body, I'm viewing you as a body, that's what I call you, but what my mind says this you is, is a me. And there's only one me. In these millions of views, there's only one me. <laughs> that would be called the mental center of the universe. And you can't handle all that attention, to tell you the truth. That's what's driving your mind crazy. Really. It's like everything's revolving around this planet Paul, and planet Paul's ready to explode. <laughs> and it really wants everything to release its pull on planet Paul, but it's the gravity of planet Paul that's keeping all, everything in place. Yes? If you're not the center of that universe, you'll now experience a new universe. It's the same point of centered, but it won't be self-centered. Yes? You'll be centered. It's a different centered than self-centered. Self-centeredness provokes agitation. If you ever go to those hotels, I don't know, maybe you didn't, but I did a lot. <laughs> These motels where you put a quarter in a bed, it's supposed to massage your bed, and all you do, it just agitates you. But it says it's supposed to relax you, yeah? but you're just in agitation. Well, that's sort of what happens with mind when it rests on something that's unreliable, which is this idea of being a self. It's, it's like Jesus said, you're building a house on sand, yeah? It's not a good foundation. So here, this unreliability is agitated, and you're putting your mind on there. And now you're trying to get peace, relying on agitation. All this does is promote seeking. Seeking, seeking. Every one of us has been seeking since the tenth, since we left the, the, the mother, yes? We've been seeking, 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 seeking. Because selfing can never find fulfillment. It can never become a self. It can only appear to be one. Yes? In the mind. Selfing, no matter how much it occurs, can never be a self. It never fulfills its, its purpose, so its purpose is constantly fulfilled by doing. Doing, seeing, seeing, hearing, hearing, claiming, claiming. So instead of seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, it's I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching. Yeah. The conscious contact now becomes a verb you're doing. Yeah. I'm the one who's seeing. If your eyes open and something flies by this window, you're going to see it. Yeah? Now your head may say, I didn't want to see that bird, but you saw the bird. And then people go, I didn't want to have that feeling, but you already noted the feeling before you had an opinion about not wanting to have it. Yeah? Life is beating you to the door. It's like a, like a gunslinger thing. You can never outdraw it. Yeah? Because you're after the fact. The idea of being you is made in time after the fact of conscious contact. Conscious contact comes first, and then you appear afterwards, like an afterthought. But you're attempting to say the afterthought is the doer of the conscious contact. There's no way in hell that you are seeing. They're seeing, but you're not seeing. I remember when I was young, my, uh, when I was nine years old, my Uncle Fred died, and my mother took me to the funeral. And it was an open casket, so I, I, you know, I was nine years old. I walked up and I looked and I saw Uncle Fred, but I had a very strong hit. That ain't Uncle Fred. Because yeah? what was Uncle Fred had left the body in a way. Yeah? But I had assumed that what was Uncle Fred was the body because I thought I was a body. But when I saw what was really Uncle Fred not there, it was obvious that ain't Uncle Fred. And I could have taken his eye out and put it in a live body and it would work. But that eye was never going to see where it was now. Yeah. So the eye isn't what's seeing, 
it, fun- it, it translates or facilitates seeing. There must be awareness to facilitate the senses, yes? There must be consciousness to know through the senses. I would say consciousness is prior to you. I would say you're a product of a mental process that comes after the consciousness that tries to become what's prior to the consciousness by saying, I'm doing it, I'm seeing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching. And as soon as it claims consciousness, which is like a state, or a, a state, it becomes a verb you do now. So now I'm conscious or unconscious. And so you start playing God with the idea of God. You start playing God with the idea of consciousness. And then who informs you how you're doing with your pursuit of God? You do, eh? You're the one who goes home. Well, I've done four retreats. I must be getting closer. You have to see the mind is like a sadistic little play. Remember when you were kids and they'd hide an egg in the backyard and they'd send all of us out looking for it? And they go, you're getting closer, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer. You're getting hot and cold. Oh. And then like this, like a sadistic little adult, you know? Yes, you're getting just fucking with us all day. This is what it does. What's telling you how you're doing is the problem. <laughs> when you see it, that's it. What it all distills into is one simple fact, I'm not that. And I'll tell you, let's say there's a woman that I'm interested in biblically here, not here, I, there is one in Australia that I'm Well, let's not go. That would be personal. In the other room. Yeah, so let's just say there's one in the other room that I'm interested in. So I'm thinking she means a lot to me, yeah? I mean, I think she's going to... I've never even talked to her, but she's the one, you know? I'm going to marry her and stuff like this. So I'm very interested in hearing what she has to say, but I'm supposed to be doing a talk. So I'm, I'm trying to pay attention here, but my attention and interest is like... Hope she says something about me so I can see if it'd be all right to ask her. You know, I don't want to get rejected. That would be too painful. So, so then uh, someone says, "Hey, Paul, you should be doing this talk." I go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah," but I can't stop listening. Then someone comes and throws a book on and says, "How to lose interest in conversations in the other room." Like, hates through it, you know. All right, but I can't help myself. Then she finally says something, and it's she's talking about Matt, and my name is Paul. My interest and attention immediately leaves. Immediately leaves that room. I don't have to do a workshop. I don't have to go on a retreat. It immediately goes, and it's right where it is now, free from that obsession with self. Yes? Why? Because it isn't about me. That's exactly what happens with this. When you finally question that sense of being you and just entertain the possibility it may not be you, what happens is your interest and attention gets freed from that, which is like a form of slavery, and now we can go and get dispersed in other ways. And what I found when it's freed from that bondage, it starts enriching my life, and it tends to go back to its source, which is of no thingness. It's not a thing that it's coming from. Interest and attention is not coming from you as a thing. It's coming from no thingness. It's coming from, let's say, spirit or awareness. And once it gets... Once it's broken from this habit of going to this false you, when it finds out the quote-unquote real you, it calls it home. And then the emphasis shifts in your life, big time, and you lose interest in the obsession with self. You don't fight it, you don't argue with it, you don't try to get out of it, because that's a form of being in it. You just lose damn interest in it. 
and the interest that was bonding you, enslaving you to those thoughts that don't allow you to go to sleep at night, now enriches your life. It's the same interest and attention, it's just what vehicle it's put in. If it's put into this system, if you have faith in your thought system, you're going to be producing tons of anxiety. The amount of faith will be into proportion to the amount of anxiety. If you're devoted to an unreliable thought system that constantly does not value this moment, but it values the past and future way more, which is just the construct of time. Yes? When that system is relied upon, yeah, and you, have, you believe in those thoughts, you are going to be a farmer, a cultivator of giant crops of what's not happening. And they are going to be harvested and dropped into here and now. And you're going to live the effects of what's not happening. That same faith, and everyone has tons of faith. Every mind has tons of faith. Every mind has tons of faith. If that faith is put into the right vehicle, which I would say from self-centeredness to centeredness, that, that, that interest and attention, that faith will now produce an ease and comfort in your skin now. Same exact mental energy. Same, same exact energy. One vehicle, it produces anxiety. Lots of anxiety. Other vehicle produces an ease and comfort in your own skin now. So how, how do you produce ease and comfort in your own skin? You don't. <laughs> it's a byproduct of losing interest in self. It's a byproduct. None of them are goals that the self is looking towards. If the self is involved in it, it doesn't come to pass. Yeah? Because the self is of time. Most people's idea of being okay is, I will be okay. I hope to be okay later. Get back to me in a little while. I will be after all this gets done. I'll be okay. There's never a sense of okayness now. Why is that? Because the thought system doesn't give a shit about now. It just can't escape now. So what it did, it can't escape now, so it made there and then. And that's what it's obsessed over. Yeah? It's obsessed over the past and the future, all happening right now. And it has, no, it has absolutely no interest in now. Not, not one bit. Every thought is drenched in time. Every thought from the system. Every thought. Every thought. Because the, they're all held by the original thought, you, as the thinker. And you only appear in time. You are an act of becoming. The mind's becoming you every day. It can never be you as it's presenting you. It can only become you. It can appear to be you. Yeah? That's all it can do. It cannot fulfill itself. That's why, because it's unfulfilled in that, it desires so many other things. The, all the other desires are attempting to fill that what cannot be fulfilled. It cannot become self. So... In a way, what consciousness is, is being, yes? Being is complete already. It's not in a process to become. It's already whole. It's being, yeah? Nothing added, nothing subtracted. It's not of time, because it doesn't take any time to become, because it's being. It's bypassed. It doesn't have the quality of time. It's not a practice or a process. You are not becoming authenticated over time, yeah? There's a sense of being. That's what centered is. Self-centeredness is in the sense of becoming. How it becomes everyday you is everything that happens through you, your mind claims it to be about you. Yet it can never complete the mission. You never can be a self. You're prior to that. 
You're prior to this individual apparatus. You're what's seeing. You're what's hearing. You're what's feeling. You're what's tasting. You're what's touching. But you'll never see what's seeing. You'll never feel what's feeling. And you'll never hear what's hearing. Never. It's not an experience. It's beyond experience. It's what we are. You can't experience what you are. But what you are will influence every experience that happens here. If entertained. How do you cross that threshold then? Hmm? How do you cross that threshold? Realize that you already passed the threshold. There ain't no threshold. So how do you live life? Huh? How do you live life? Well, you'll find out. I don't have any way of living, really. I just find out. Like, we just walked down these these uh, roads before the thing, and we ran into about five interesting situations we did. So, see, in a way, before we get into the questions, we'll have time with that. But in this mental state of selfing, one of the main uh, directives is to know. That's its sense of security, right? It wants to get a sense that it knows what's going on. Yeah. When the mind knows something... Let's say if you were given a message like this, which is nothing, yeah? As soon as the mind, the conditional mind, receives nothing, it makes it something. It conceptualizes it, yes? It makes it something that it can digest, which you lose the essence of the message, because the message is really about nothing. That's what we're hopefully giving you tonight. You're getting absolutely nothing. You probably wouldn't have come if you knew this beforehand. <laughs> well, maybe you'll get some shirts, but that's about it. But you're getting nothing. And what happens is the mind wants to make it something, yeah? If the nothing could just be, just let it be, and it's not even you let it be, when the mind moves towards it to, to, to try to uh, claim it, just see, hey, I'm not that, yeah? Just... See, the every movement of mind in selfing implies there's a you that's moving. But all they are are movements of mind. Yeah. Have you ever heard of duality, or dualism? Duality is, the first, the original part of duality is subject-object, meaning I'm the subject and everything else is an object to me. That's how most people live here, yes? You take yourself to be the one who's experiencing all the others. Now I'm the subject. That's called dualism. That's an aspect of duality. So the way this place is perceived is dualistically. So yes and no, high and low, close and far, male, female, everything either or. It's like a binary system where the senses are more like circular, yeah? The mind is binary, just either or, yes, no, this, that, the, uh, love, hate, yes, yeah. and then different degrees in between, but it's just bouncing back and forth. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in this position, where was I? What? Oh, subject-object, yeah. So, in this view of me being the subject, when I meet nothing, the subject makes it something. Yeah? This is about questioning the subjectness before it claims the object. When I question the subjectness and maybe entertain I'm not the subject, then maybe I realize I am the subject. Subjectivity, yes? Much, much different. In that thing, I receive the message and don't make it anything, and then it becomes something really big. Because you've had tons of something. What does it add up to? Basically nothing. So why not start with nothing? Yeah. We're starting with nothing, and let's see what happens. And I'm telling you, a lot of something will come out of nothing when entertained. So I had it with addiction, which is, uh, for 20, you know, I used and drank and drugged and everything. And when I entered a recovery, the way they presented it was obsession with self. 
But after a period of time, I had a realization it can't be obsession with self. It's an identification as self. It's a different beast because, because I couldn't get free because I was taking myself to be what was bonding me. As soon as I realized it wasn't me, I started to experience like radical sense of relief. And it actually stabilized over the last 14, 15 years. Yeah? And so I know the tree by the fruit. And you really know the, the problem by the solution. So let's say if I was, uh, when I was born, someone put a hand on my shoulder. I'm staring at you a lot. Of this. Don't mind. Yeah. You remind me of somebody. <laughs> the lady in the other room. <laughs> so let's say there's a hand on my shoulder. And it's been there my whole life. Yeah. And so I would feel the effects of it. And so, of course, my mind would want to know what was happening. So it would make up these great ideas. Why, why is my one shoulder drooping? Why doesn't any shoulder bag stay on my one shoulder? Why are my shirts longer sleeves here than you? You know, all these things. And it would have, and it would probably feel like it was really right about all these things. Sense of knowing. But what would happen if, if the hand lifted? Yes, the hand lifts up. When the hand lifted off, I would know that it was the problem by the solution, yeah? By the absence of the hand, I would now know the hand was the problem. Wouldn't I? I never knew it was the problem when it was there. But when it was lifted, aha, that was why. Yeah? That's exactly what this is like. This is a, just a simple invitation. It's a simple message. It's not a dissertation. It's not a draft. We're just putting it out there. But I entertained the possibility, and through entertaining it, it was so. It became like an unspoken yes. And then the relief, the the proof was in the, in the fruits. Yeah. I just started traveling lighter consistently on a long-term basis. So I, f I found out about the hand when it lifted, and I started describing the hand. Because you can't describe what you are, but you can describe what you're not. So for me, it's more like a way of negation. I look at things, and when I saw everything I was taking to be myself, and I saw it in a different light, I may not be that. Yeah? As soon as I realized I may not be that, the next thought, the next thing I could entertain, it wasn't a thought, it was more like an intuitive hit, was I can be free of it. Radically free of it. No, I don't have to therapize it, I don't have to socialize it, I don't have to drag it along with me wherever I have to go. I can actually be free of it. Because it wasn't I was obsessed with it, I was identified as it. Once the identification was broken, then freedom was possible. Yeah? And through the freedom was like the lifting of the hand. By the lifting of the hand, I said, oh, so that's the problem. Yeah? And truly the problem, the solution to the problem, is to see it as an imaginary problem. Seriously. Once you see it as an imaginary problem, that's the solution. Because there's nothing you need to do about an imaginary problem. It's imaginary. Yeah? It's like if you were suffering from being run after by a dreamt tiger in a dream, and you were taking yourself to be the dreamt object, and you were running, no matter how far away, you still live and worry about that tiger could be lurking in any place, yeah? No matter how many books you read, how to make friends with tigers, or you don't have to be afraid of tigers, it's okay, but of course you'd be scared shit, yeah? Well, what would happen, though, if you woke up? Would that dreamt tiger have the ability to affect you anymore? If you woke up and realized it was a dreamt tiger, would it have any ability to affect you? But when all, and it had been affecting you for a long time, it would immediately stop affecting you, immediately, would not take any time when you saw it was a dreamt tiger. Yeah? This is what this message is. 
It's just questioning the, the false subjectivity that we're taking our whole life to be based on and seeing if it's so or not. If it isn't so, you're not going to know that. You're going to find out. You're going to be like they say in Zen, a very high form of mind, which is I don't know. In I don't know, everything becomes revelatory because you find out. Yeah. Knowing, to me, nudes the message. Knowing makes, you know, makes nothing into something. But finding out is really something when you're finding out about nothing. Yeah, you have a question? Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. So I just wanted to ask you, sort of the phenomenon is, yeah, if you wake up from a dream and it's like, what's the problem? What happens in the psyche when, for example, you watch a horror movie, and then after you watch that horror movie, there might be a tendency in you to say, you know what, I don't want to walk in the dark for the next couple hours. So even though you know it's just a movie, it's still playing on the... On the yeah, yeah, yeah. Those effects are happening, but why does it imply a you? Fear, scared, you know, to get scared happens. Well, why is it that I'm scared? See? Yeah. Things happen here that you get concerned about. When a concern moves through, why is it always labeled, I'm the one who's concerned? To me, that's like an afterthought. It's like an addition. Yeah? There's a concern to be noted and maybe not go out for a few hours. But when it's, I'm concerned, then immediately the self thing kicks in. I shouldn't be concerned. Why do I watch horror movies? I'll never watch another horror movie again. Oh, I just won't watch the one with slashes. Well, cut, yeah, just goes off. As soon as just the concern came and went, yeah, concern moved in, came and went, but as soon as it's claimed as my concern, it's just like, it's like these tentacles of thought just go all over it. All these tons of opinions get, you know, just, it's like a giant geometric progression. This is selfing, and your interest and attention is bonded to watching it all. Yeah? You follow every thought line. Oh, I shouldn't be worried about this. I've seen tons of horror movies. Oh, maybe I'm a very fearful person. Oh, and all this. Yeah, this is just selfing. Your interest and attention has left being here, and you're up in that little porno theater. Watching, you know, Paul does Dallas, or Dallas does Paul. It's just unbelievable. And you know what? You can't get out, because you like it. Even the juju bees are stale, the popcorn sucks, it even smells a little bad in there. But you can't leave, because it's about you. You. Your mind cherishes it. It's the first addiction. The mind is addicted to the idea of being a self. Yeah? It's addicted to it. It will put up with a whole lot of shit, just to be that it's you that's being put up with the shit. I saw it, I swear, once I entertained I was not that, my interest and attention was freed, and that interest and attention that was bonding me to that is now enriching my life. It's the same interest and attention, exactly. And there is, interest and attention is not coming forth as a verb that a, a noun is doing. A thing is not interested. Attention is not coming from thingness. It's coming from no-thingness, yeah? It's coming from mind. It's not your product. It's not something you do. The identification itself focuses it and tries to divert it and, and direct it, but it is not the maker or the doer of it. Yeah? And there's tons of interest and attention. There's an infinite amount of interest and attention. All you do is lose interest in things. Yeah? But the interest and attention never lose its real interest in no thingness, because that's its source. Yeah? 
And all that happens is the emphasis of your attention and interest leaves the failed system of self-centeredness and now relies on something that's reliable. And just like if I was a rose bush and I was planted in a very small pot with no water, very little light, and bad soil, I wouldn't be blooming much. And yet, as a self-centered rose bush, I begin, oh, Jesus, I'm a terrible rose bush. I should have been blooming. What's wrong with me? I'm a selfie would just go crazy. But if you took that rose bush and put it in a bigger pot with good soil, some sun and water, it would bloom like crazy. Yeah? It's what you're relying on that's expressing through you right now, as you. If you're not that happy with it, it's never going to change. That system is self-centered. It's never, self can't get out of self. No matter how far you get out and you think you're at the outer parameters of self, like you see the fence, non-self, over there, you as a self are never going to climb the fence and be self on the other side of non-self. Yeah? The fence keeps moving. Wherever you appear to be, you is selfing. Yeah? So self can't get out of self. That's the beautiful news. Because you're not in it. You're not in it. You appear to be, but you're not. That's the solution. If it wasn't that solution, it would be of time, it would be of practices, it would be of purposes, it would be of therapizing and civilizing and socializing. This is an immediate solution because the problem is inherently imaginary. So, what, what is available now is always available at all times with no requirement necessary to meet it. Yeah. And therefore, when you were a kid, when you were playing when you were a kid, if you weren't in a, like an abusive situation, when I was playing that day, I didn't have a thought that I could, uh, will I be playing next week. Time hadn't structured yet, yeah? So, because I hadn't, didn't have the mental possibility that I could be somewhere else, I seemed to be really here. Because I wasn't entertaining, I don't have to be here. I could be somewhere else, yeah? <laughs> you know what I mean? So all those possibilities that are impossible were brought to me by the mental process that I call selfing. When I was a kid, they weren't going on. So when I was playing, I'd just be playing. There wasn't a little narration going, Yes, you're playing, Paul, and you've been playing for the last five days with the same toys. I think you should get some new friends. You know? But as soon as the selfies start happening, everything, you go to the bathroom. I'm going to the bathroom. Oh, thank you. I can see that I'm going to the bathroom. Why do I need someone to say I'm going to the bathroom? Oh, you're going to make a real fool of yourself. Oh, thank you. That's great. Yeah? This narration started getting produced, and it started to suck up all the interest and attention because it put out a presentation that this is about me. Yeah? I forgot my nature, and I took upon this nature. And this nature has a lot to be worried about. A whole lot to be worried about. Because it's very, very needy, and it needs a whole lot of stuff at all times. So, <laughs> when I was a kid, I mean, I said, I didn't walk around my house going, I think the living room should be bigger, you know? Now, I didn't have to have GAC sunglasses and GAC clothes on. I'd rather not have any clothes on. I didn't have to, oh, you look great, Paul. What? You know what I mean? My hair, I mean, could care less. <laughs> None of these concerns were that mounting yet. I didn't think, you know, my mother, oh, I wish my mother was better looking. You know, you know what I mean? I'm not going to give her any love. She's very big, overweight. No, she can't be my, you know? None of this was going on. Because they hadn't been entertained yet. 
what we're trying to do is the mind has the ability to entertain. We're just attempting to give it something else to entertain. How be how about you're not that? Yeah. Just a simple statement. Hey, I may not be that. Let's see what happens. Yeah? Because I'll tell you, let's say if um, Tanya came over my house and she shared all these thoughts that were driving her crazy about what's not happening. I'd be sitting very close to her and she was driven crazy. But would I be driven crazy? Because it's actually not happening. So I wouldn't be driven, no matter how close I get to her, she's really going crazy, but I have like immunity to her. A simple immunity, why? Because I see them as her thoughts. Now the same thoughts that were driving her crazy, maybe I go home and those thoughts run through this little noggin, and they're held as my thoughts, now I'm being driven crazy. So it's not the thoughts that drive you crazy, it's the my that drives you crazy. The my is giving everything the meaning it has. The thought isn't giving you a meaning, the you gives the thought the meaning. Yeah? The you is injecting everything it claims with its conditioning, yes? With all of its old ideas, with its belief structure. It's injecting a thought with its meaning, and then opens it up as if it was a pinata that it was just brought to and it just hit in life. But every meaning is all filled with impressions, conditionings, beliefs of this system called self-centeredness. And you can see it. When I was introduced to spirituality at the first time when I was 18, I met an Indian guru, and I had never known anything about any of Indian gurus, but as soon as I met the Indian guru, I had thousands of ideas about how he should be, how I should be, how all the followers should be, what, what I should be doing, what they should be doing. Where did it all come from? It didn't come from my experience. It came from a giant catacomb of conditional, like, mental winds, just blowing, waiting to find expression. The situation arose, guru, devotee, all these spiritual mental winds came out and just went going crazy. I wanted to kill them. I was trying to figure out how I could shoot him with like a like a, a time delay dart when he was on this like motorcade, so he died like fifty yards away, so he never know it was me. Because he was in my mind was just being driven crazy by the group. Because he was presented as the Lord of the Universe. Yeah. He was the Lord of the Universe. That had a lot of meaning to me. <laughs> my mind gives that a lot of meaning. <laughs> And there I was, with the Lord of the Universe, and I didn't like the Lord of the Universe. What does that make me? It didn't make me too much. <laughs> so one, somebody had a ghost, I figured if I get rid of the Lord of the Universe, I'll be okay. <laughs> so this is what happens. Thoughts are given meaning by you, by claiming to be the thinker of them. Yeah? Thoughts are being given meaning by you in the relationship with the thought as I'm the thinker of them. We're saying, maybe you're not the thinker of them. If you look at it, can you take a shit when you want to? Can you? Can you, uh... Are you pumping your blood? Are you digesting your food? You would have forgotten a burrito, maybe, from yesterday. You have to have a big to-do list every night. I've got to go home and digest. I'll see you. Know, that burrito, Obviously, a lot of stuff's happening involuntarily, but then there's a very subtle process happening in the brain called thinking, the thoughts, and we claim to be the thinker of them. It's unbelievable when you can't even take a shit when you want to, but you believe you're the thinker of these subtle activities. Yeah? This is called the arrogance of self-centeredness. It's claiming everything, and it's way beyond its pay scale. 
happens. And it's claiming things that are way beyond the pain scale. And as soon as you're the thinker, you're in a different relationship with thoughts. As soon as they're my thoughts. Totally different. My thoughts, it's sort of like a thought weighs, let's say if you gave it a weight. Each thought would weigh an ounce. And they say you have about 70,000 thoughts a day. Maybe about 7,000, let's say, in this room. <laughs> so you have 7,000 thoughts a day, yeah? And let's say each one of them weighs an ounce. So you're, you're used to traveling with 7,000 ounces a day. So when you walk up hills, you don't even notice if you've been doing it so long. You know, you're in pretty good shape with 7,000 ounces. All right, but now add the word my, and now each thought weighs a pound. Now you're carrying 77,000 pounds a day. You're going to be traveling a lot heavier, aren't you? Over your day-to-day living. A lot heavier. And you can't weigh the thoughts, but they are the heaviest things of all. They truly are. I've seen people, their whole life, go down the tubes by following five thoughts as their own. You know, I think I'm going to shoot this guy. They shoot someone, they're in prison now for 30 years. The my is what gives meaning. The mind is like the bridge from what you represent in self-centeredness, which is tons of ideas and belief systems. I call them a lot of mental winds. Yeah? There's a lot of mental winds that are seeking expression. They can't take form here, but they can, take, they can have an effect through you as a form. So anger and jealousy and envy and greed. You see, a, let's say, a lot of greed going on. If you meet the people individual, individually, you may not think they're greedy, but as a whole, there's a lot of greed. So people, I feel, are just expressions of mental winds. And the mental winds, they take us over, yes? And, and the, the biggest steering wheel of all for them to come in is selfing. Because anything that would move through you, when it moved through you, you would claim it to be yours. Yeah? So the craziest motherfucking thing you could possibly do, if it happens to you, you'll say, I did it. Yeah? You won't even entertain the possibility that something took you over, something possessed you. It would always be, no, it's me, it's me, it's me. Well, it isn't you. It isn't you. You're going to attract whatever, if you're in that selfing, you're going to attract a lot of certain winds. Yeah. If you're not, I find that you don't attract those winds anymore. It's as simple as that. Other winds blow through you that I think are much more beneficial for you and others. You may be drawn to service, who knows? For me, the service is, I used to do service in recovery to get an experience of being out of self, yeah? Because the self is unbearable in uh, untreated alcoholism. It's, it's like an extreme subdivision of self-centeredness. It's really, really chronic. I see one, it's crippled a lot of people I know. And they'll do almost anything to get relief from it. They'll go back to something that's almost killed them ten times, but they can't bear the selfing going on. So let's say I do service to get out of self. And when I get out of self, I had certain experiences. And one of them would be I felt like I was available. Yeah? I came out of the ass of self, and I felt a little, hey. And then I felt the presence of something other than me. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> And when I felt that presence, it would be a really nice sense, yeah? But I would, usually the mind would go retreat back into selfing, and then very soon thereafter I'd have to do service to get out of self, yeah? To feel available, and then sense that presence. What would happen, though, at one time my mind, when it landed on presence, it said, that's what it is. I'm the presence. Yeah? 
I'm not the one that needs to do service. I'm the presence. And the presence is always available. Always available. And it's of service because of that. Yeah? So service as an experience can be very infrequent. Presence as a state, service is always available at all times because you're available to people. You're holding the space for people. And there's no you holding it. There's just the holding of space. You're awake. Yeah? You're present. And that makes you of service. And you'll be put to good use. And without you looking for it, you'll find out. So this is what happens when the mind shifts out of self-centeredness, let's say the centeredness, it's going to show effects. And you'll know the tree by the fruit. Simple as that. And for me, it was like an unspoken yes. It was like the last answer. I haven't found a new one since. It just hit me, and that was that. And I've just been entertaining it now for a long time. And the more, and the entertaining fulfills itself. Yeah. More downloads. Yeah. So, any questions? <laughs> yes. Well, no. 
in the beginning when I was doing it, it would seem like it was different. So let's say I had a very pressing condition, physical or emotional or something, or financial or security-wise, or life condition, and I'd walk into the meeting, and for that hour, that condition had no effect. So obviously it wasn't real, to tell you the truth. But it would have no effect, but then it seemed it would crop up after I left. Yeah. But over time, it didn't, that stopped, and it just got a little bit stabilized. For me, it's more about there's energy happens, and there's certain energy that when energy moves through the system, if the body is able to handle like 110 wattage and 220 wattage comes through, the first stuff that gets exasperated is weaknesses of the body. Yeah? So that happens a lot. But no, the... Uh, the high and low, because this isn't about me. If it was about me, I would have missed many meetings, because I have good reasons not to come. But I've been, I've attended every meeting I've ever done. I've never missed a meeting, and I've listened to every one of the talks. Seriously, there's listening going on now. It's a download, and I get a sense when the download occurs. What I'm listening to is the sense of where it comes from. Yes, that's the message. And that message has never changed with all the thousands of downloads. It's the same, same message. There is a space. Mind is like open sky, yeah? You ever see the sky? Most people, when they describe the sky, they're describing clouds, really. They're describing what's appearing in the sky. Well, let's just say sky. Sky is sort of like mind, yeah? So here, let's say in this, in this sky, there's Fourth of July explosions. Does the sky get ripped open by the explosions? No. Let's, yeah, ever heard of a plane that was flying through the sky and then called up the terminal and said, hey, I just ran into a big chunk of sky up here. What do I do? No. Birds appear when it rains. The rain doesn't wet the sky, it just wets the ground, what's appearing. Yeah. So in a sense, mind is like that. It's like an open sky type mind. Whatever appears in it doesn't affect the original mind. Yes? Whatever appears in it doesn't leave an imprint on the original mind. That's sort of what mind is like. The selfing is an appearance in mind. The selfing is claiming to be mind. Yeah? It's trying to take the aspect of mind, which is open sky, and, and make it an activity the body is doing. This is a, it's like a preposterous ice yeah? that's already taking place. So when you think of selfing, when the selfing's going on, the feeling that it's you is a historical feeling produced by the selfing. Because you didn't have it when the selfing wasn't happening when you were a kid. You didn't have the sense of self. So the feeling of being a self is that you're before the selfing, or the selfing is happening to you, but you're a product of the selfing. The feeling of being you, feel, the feeling of being the one who's worrying, is the product of selfing. And that feeling of being a one who's worrying is a feeling of being one who's worried many times in the past, and will probably be worrying in the future. So you become a historical figure that is put in front of the, pro of the processing that made it. Yeah? So the selfie makes it, but you feel like you're the one that's doing the selfie. Or that the selfie's happening to you. But you're at the end of the line, not before the line starts. The feeling of being you is construed, it's built, it's made. The onness you feel isn't you, the onness is life happening. But you take it to be you, and you call it, this is what's alive. I'm alive. No. You are a facilitator of light. This is like a camera box. Undifferentiated light is moving through this, and it differentiates. How you see life and how life is 
is dealt with and danced with is based on the, the dimensions of your lenses, your conditioning, your old ideas, your karma, as they would say. The undifferentiated comes in and differentiates. And then you believe what you're seeing to be real and solid, and you give it the ability to affect you as this being real and solid. It's like a dreamer and a dream. Yeah? But it's not a dreamer, it's dreaming. There's no noun. It's just dreaming. Dreaming, dreaming, dreaming. The mental state of selfing always puts a noun everywhere. So, you don't see something happening, I'm doing it. Yes? Or they're doing it. And if it's not me doing it, you're doing it, it's God doing it. There's always got to be a someone that's doing everything. Why? Maybe everything's just happening. Yes? Maybe you're, you're a non-ending verb. You never began, nor will you ever end. Yes, their mind is, yes. I would say they're not even decisions or choices. I think they're options, like a computer would do. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, if you, uh, I'll get to you. Uh, you, when you, when you see a truck come and you hit you, you jump all the way. I'd say watch me decision. Is it extensive? I would say so, yes. Does it happen to that? Yes, I would say they've already tested many times where they studied the idea of free will and choice. They have a, did a simple test with a neuroscientist where they had just a clock, you know, with a arrow. And they, told, and they had all the electrodes on her, and they said, push, stop it anytime you want, yeah? So she sat there, and she stopped it. Then she'd act like she was going to do it, not do it, and then stop it, you know? She was even playing with herself. And when they checked out all the information, the brain lit up a second before she ever thought she made a choice. So the idea of being the chooser and the doer is an afterthought to the activity of the brain. Yes? is it happened. I wouldn't say you did it. But you did. You chose to do that. Who chose to do it? Yeah, that's the thing. How is that happening, Paul? Hmm? How is that happening? What do you mean, how is it happening? Well, the decision to jump out of the way. Right, based on the conditioning of the apparatus, I would say. Yeah? I would say, again, it's more like an option. If you've ever seen computers, they don't really make choices. They just choose options based on conditioning and ideas, right? So there's an option. I would say the apparatus has built-in options. Some of them we all seem to have, which is survival and stuff like that. But the narration says we're the one that's doing it. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're the one that's doing it, stop. Yeah, if you're the one who's thinking, stop. How are you doing with that? You are. You're stopping thinking. Oh, good. You should get up here. Then. Yeah. serve someone you know, or family, I would go and volunteer, maybe at a soup kitchen or something, just give it a shot, check it out. Well, I mean, in addition to serving other ways that people can get out of that, Well, I'm sure there's a lot of them. I'm sure there's a lot of them. That's the one that worked with me, with service. Yeah. Because all the thinking, in a sense, like I said, when you're trying to get out of self, it's actually a form of being in self. Yeah? When you're thinking about you want to, you're going to do something to get out of self. I just did service, and in service I had an experience of what you would call being out of self. And I saw that when I, when my interest and attention was directed other than by my self-centeredness, it sort of enriched my life. So I have, let's say, a, 
I was hiring this girl to ask at a meeting out, and then a newcomer would come right before me and her, so my little agenda was thwarted, seemingly. And I go, okay, let's go have coffee. But I, I tell you, it, was, it worked out a lot better having coffee with them than if I would have gone and followed her, maybe, you know? So I saw that something seemed to be intervening on my little storyline about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to get. You know? And then, by its information, it, was, it, it became obvious that it was reliable. Yeah? That's the beauty of it. When you rely on something that's reliable, you'll know it. Yeah? It will translate into an ease and comfort, which for me only begets more relying on it. Yeah? You come to know it to be so, and it's so. Yeah? So, yes.
this whole idea. How do you like to become friends with that? Oh, present. Present. oh present. You are present. No, but I practice it. I mean, for your practices. Practices. See, this, see, the point is, again, simply, really, if I can say this, if uh, it's truly, it's not a joke, that the, the giant urge to get into the moment implies that you can be out of the moment. Let's question that. I don't believe you can be out of the moment. So how much, I mean, how much more can I practice being here? I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm as here as much as I can be. <laughs> I, can I do it better? No. Can I do it worse? No. This is what it is right now because it ain't. It's going to pass away. But what's always so isn't passing away. I am more like that sky. So what appears doesn't have much emphasis anymore because I am not what's appearing. I am what's always so. Yeah? So, one thing. And then the other thing was what? No, no, I just want to say, how do you practice being present? So that you've got five senses? I would say be present. And I'm saying you can't not be present. Okay, well, no, let me just say it. I'm just saying be present. So if you cannot not be present, that's the best practice for being present. Yeah? You can, if your mind entertains that you cannot not be present, it's over. It's just like when you were a kid. Was I trying to learn how to meditate when I was a kid? Was I reading books about spirituality or signing up for retreats? No. There was no need because there was presence. Why? Because I didn't I couldn't possibly entertain that time I could be anywhere else. Yeah? As soon as I started entertaining I could be everywhere else, then I had tons of opinions how this sucked. Yeah? But before then, I was there because there wasn't any not here, not there. I wouldn't say that. I would say maybe the field of experiences. But I would say the, 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 the wideness of your aperture is pretty wide when you're a kid. I think you're experiencing a whole lot when you're a kid. Like the animals don't experience consciousness. They're in the present all the time, right? You have to ask them. <laughs> I would say so. So who would it be? Uh, because they can't entertain not <laughs> So we experience it as we evolve, right? Yeah, do you see cats practice. practicing being a cat? Do you go to any places, there's dog practicing today. Four to eight, bring the doors, we're going to practice being a dog. Yeah. Sign up for the next door retreat. They're actually in the present home of the dog, right? Well, what about you? Oh, well, no, the humans as we evolve, we develop. I don't give yourself so much credit. We're still in the present moment. There's no escape. There is no escape. No matter how complex your mind becomes, you can't leave. The only place there is. But we know how we can do it because we do it. The dogs don't know it because they're all just present. Uh, you know, the animals are present. Yeah. And we're, uh, unfortunately, we've developed the consciousness as we evolved up the evolutionary track. So I'm just saying, that's, that's the paradox. To, uh, I'm not I'm just saying. No, I know, I know. The thing is, with a practice, it can be done as an expression. But when the practice formulates the idea of being the practitioner, that I think is the dilemma. Yeah? It's not so much what you do, it's who doing who's doing it. Because the who that's doing it will give all the meaning what you do has. Yeah? Like I talked about. When it's my practice, you're inserting tons of meaning from the conditionality to that practice. And it may take you where it wants to go. It may not be where you thought it was supposed to take you. Yeah? Because everything gets distorted when selfing claims it. You can take what seems to be a really a beautiful path, and I tell you, go to go to temple sites, go to places. 
Maybe for one day it's great, but live there for three weeks. They're all fucked. You know what I mean? Everyone's, they're all bickering in hierarchy, trying to get in a position sitting closer to the teacher. It's the same, same like the corporate ladder. Same, same. They just wear different, you know, like uh, suits. Yeah, mind, wherever mind is, is, and there's the claiming from selfing, it distorts everything. It distorts everything. Yes? It, it has its own agenda, and its gender is to become, and it's an incessant agenda that can never complete itself. It will never be a self. It can only appear to be a self. Which means there's constant activity, constantly selfing, selfing. Being is complete in and of itself. There's nothing to do. Yet doing will happen. But there's nothing to do to bring about being. Being is already so. There's nothing to complete being. It's completely already. The beginning the end is complete. Yeah? There's nowhere to go and nothing to get. It's not a joke. It's true. Yeah? So would you say uh, something's like ego, then like an illusion yourself? No. Ego is an aspect of, of the conditional mind, but selfing is more of a vague feeling. It's a sense. Yeah? It's a sense that you're you. You feel it, right? Yes. It's sort of like a vague cloud you walk around in. It's like a feel. It's like a thought wrapped with a feeling. It's very good. Thoughts are easy to see. Feelings are a little more difficult. But when you have a thought wrapped with a feeling, it can be very difficult. Yeah. So that's sort of like the sense of self is like to me. It's an idea, but it's wrapped with a feeling. And because of the identification as a body, you think feelings are bringing you authentic information. You think what I feel is authentic. Because of the identification of the body, a feeling is just a feeling, it's a like stimuli. Yeah. yeah. So what is reality? <laughs> I don't have a clue what reality is, but you will find out. But you'll never know. Once you know it, it's muted. Yeah. But you're finding out. If a verb's a verb, the only way you learn about a verb is through the verbing of it. Yeah. You can't put under the glass and make it a noun. You would lose its verbness. So you find out about it. You cannot know. That's the beauty of it. That's why in Zen they would say the highest form of mind is I don't know. Because it thrusts you in the position of finding out. So everything is revelatory. It's not, oh, I knew that. It's never like that. You never go, I knew that. It's just you find out. But that, that, that uh, let's say, conducting of knowledge has a very, very strong convincing quality. When you find out, it can really, like, click in. When this thing can be thoroughly convinced, and five minutes later be unconvinced. Because it's binary, right? It bounces back and forth. Yes and no, high and low. Yeah? So you can be thoroughly, totally sincere about turning my whole life over. Next day, no, no, fuck that. I'm not going to do anything like that. Yeah? Back and forth. But this knowledge, when it downloads, has a more of a convincing quality. It's almost like a last answer can occur. Or an unspoken yes. There's just a you don't need any more verification, in other words. What was revealed was enough. Something has been seen that wasn't seen, and it's a done deal. Yeah? yeah. Yes?
brain, yes. It's just like that. The I'm emphasis down, I guess you could say. Your interest and attention really gets free from a form of slavery to this idea of being a self, yes? The emphasis shifts, and that shift, that new calibration changes everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think I think a lot of what's going on here as well is that when uh, the self, specifically the self-image, uh, is trying to uh, get some relief, and it's trying to do that incrementally, uh, but it's going towards a goal, which may be the total dissolution of the self-image. And so you may have a house, or a car, and a job, a job that you don't really want to be in, right, that you go to because of anxieties about giving up that job. And so there's a whole bunch of self-reinforcing kind of, uh, you know, thoughts and behaviors and fears and whatever that go on to support that lifestyle. But when you transition to uh, a life of service, that may not be your life anymore. And so the sort of the self-image uh, wants to maintain its own integrity and sort of incrementally change, and it wants some certainty that it's going to be preserved over time. But really where it's going may, it may be a complete dissolution and an entirely different life. It could be that way, but the way I, uh, the way I hold it is it, it never had anything to dissolve. Right, but, but in silicon, that, and that's the, the crux of the matter. That yes, that's the crux of the matter. As long as it holds <laughs> on to the fact that there's a, this self-image right. that needs to be maintained, but it also wants this, so it wants to keep the car and the house and the job and all those things, and it also wants to stay be enlightened. Yes, right. yes. But see, that in a sense, that becoming enlightened may mean letting go of that entire... Oh, it may not either. It may not. It, it doesn't matter. matter. There's no certainty. There's not, the thing is, this, the selfing has a huge drive to be relevant. Yes? So it wants to write itself into every story. And even when it's seeking its own absence, it wants to be there when it finds it. <laughs> That's usually the dilemma in seeking a path. You're looking for its own solution, this solution, but you want to be there to get the experience of it. <laughs> yes. I just want to ask you, you just mentioned that I now live simply compared to what? Well, when I was an addict, I wasn't living simply. You know, I was a drug dealer and. I was, I was more living like in the animal world, like a four-legged rat, basically. I had something I had to have seemingly every day, and I'd do pretty much anything to get it. Can you describe what a simple life is? Well, for, I don't have, it's not a definition of a simple life. I'm just saying the simple life I seem to be in. So I wouldn't say it's a simple life, but my, I don't, let's see, what do I do? Well, I live in San Francisco. I live in a place called Mill Valley. And I boogie board a lot, yeah? It's, you know, it's like chrome surfing. And I do that. I work when I need to work. I paint houses, and I sell t-shirts, and used to import art from Asia. And I live with some people. I rent a room. I have a little car. And uh, I go to a lot of uh, AA meetings, you know, work with people in recovery. I do three talks a week on this topic, and I travel around the world doing this stuff, sharing in other countries than in this country. Not this country, America. So that's what I do, pretty much. I'm not married, I don't have any kids. I have pretty low overhead. And, um... Uh, huh? <laughs> For this meeting to be over soon, I said. No, I don't have it. Uh, I 
again, it's not about not having ambition or not, it's the one who has the ambition. I don't have a sense of being a concrete individual entity. Just take the break of news to you. I don't have it. I don't feel it. If I did feel it, I'd be acting contrarily. I would. Something would be different. But that something occurred, and that that glue has been uh, weakened, and it just separated because it was never so to begin with. It was constantly applying the glue to keep this idea together. It doesn't have any existence of its own except what I give it. So my mind has lost interest in it. It's interested in something other than that. So a lot more secondary. Yes. So I, I just wanted to, to make a comment. Um, yes. That I, I think what I also said is from what you're saying is I think it's humanity in a way we are trapped. You know, we have been trapped literally. Because when you were kids, I think we didn't have the idea of something. Everything no. was. That's what it was. Playing, eating, everything was just was. And then as we grew up, we begin to be told that we don't have this, we don't have that, we're not beautiful enough, we're not strong enough, we're weak. So there are all these things that started happening. Yeah. We started realizing that we don't have. So now we seek so that we can have. Yes. We need jobs, we need to be beautiful, we need so many things so that we can be. So now we trap and we don't know how to get out. Because even now, the life that we live in this world, it seems like if you don't have the sense of self, you're not going to succeed. You're not going to have a job because for you to get a job, you need to market yourself. So what are you marketing? Your skills. How you're better than somebody else. So if you don't have that self, you're not going to get the house that you need. You're not going to get the car that you need. You see, yeah. success so itself and life as a man to be, you've got to have the self. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about self determination. You see how the advertising of the mind is to keep itself in place? If maybe you're not that one, Right? If you're not that one that's doing that, or not that one that should not do that, yeah, maybe the feeling that you have around all that that just came up would be different. I guarantee. I would say, I don't want to say guarantee, but I tell you it would, because you, where you are sitting at, is giving all that all the meaning it has. Yeah? You're giving it. And so, to try to change that meaning, and not change the you that's giving it, you're just going to get a bastardized version of the same meaning. Maybe it's opposite, but it'll be the same bondage. But maybe if you're not what's giving it the meaning, maybe things will look different for you. And maybe you'll see another way of working where you don't have to do a job that doesn't satisfy you. Who knows? That's what happened with me. I took some chances in this life. I was I had a paint company and I just said first I first I got sober and then I the only thing I could walk my way into was painting. I couldn't do a straight line because my hand was shaking so bad. But the guy who ran the company was drunk too. So. And, uh, and then I, I worked for them for a little while, and then I entertained, hey, maybe I can start my own paint company. So I did. I did that for 14 years. Then I'd go to Asia, and I'd say, man, these Buddhas are beautiful. I'd like to have one in my house. I think I'll buy one. And I saw buying, bringing some back. He said, hey, can you get me a Buddha like that? I go, yeah, surely. Went there, started importing art from Asia to sell to that. So I, what happened with me, my mind, that used to be very exclusive, either or, either I'm having fun or I'm working, yeah, became inclusive. It just started being able to, see, I can surf and make money the same day. It doesn't have to be either surf or make money. I can, both can occur. Yeah. So my mind, instead of being so split, became a little more homogenized and started entertaining. See, when you're in selfing, when you're identified with that system, you're entertaining its possibilities. It's possibilities. And they're all made of time. And they're very limited possibilities. You're never going to be totally okay now. I may be okay later. Or I was once okay. 
It's always like you're on a... Well, you know, you've been through, you, your mind has been over every inch of self-centeredness. And you've tried every possibility, probably three or four times over, with the hope that somehow it was, it's going to work, yet it doesn't. It doesn't deliver the goods, yeah? You have to see, let's say I was delivering furniture like this. And every time I delivered this chair, I was on time. I delivered the day it was supposed to be there, and just the condition that they saw it. Every time I delivered it, would I need to have any excuses, blame and rationalization? I wouldn't have to blame anyone for not making the delivery. I made the delivery. I wouldn't have to have any excuses because I made the delivery. I wouldn't have to have any rationalizations. I made the delivery. Look at your head. These are echoes of a failed system. It's full of excuses and blame and rationalization. Why are you putting up with something that's fucking intolerable? Yeah? This is the slavery. To, be, to have the sense that you're the one that's doing that or you're the one that's hearing it. That's what gives the meaning of what you're hearing. Not the hearing, not what you're hearing, but what's hearing. What's hearing? You're trying to get out of you. You're not trying to get out of your situations. The situations will morph around you wherever you go. But the thing is to get out of you, and I'm saying there's a beautiful way to get out of you. You can never be in you. So, Self-centeredness is a form of looking. 
what does it causes you to be blind to seeing? Well, it's just, it's seeing like is different than looking. Is that like awakening, or how would you define that? Why not? I define it anyway. But if you want to call it awakening, but awakening isn't something that happens to you. Awakening is something that maybe become obvious, but it's always been so. It just becomes obvious to mind. So it's not like most people try to translate it into an event that happened to you. Nothing ever happened to you. <laughs> All there is is happening here. Nothing happened to you. That's the good news. I mean, how can you, in The Course of Miracles, you ever hear The Course of yeah. Miracles? They talk a lot about a forgiveness, but actually their form of forgiveness in a way is atonement. And atonement is seeing that nothing ever happened here to be forgiven. That's a clear scene. Yeah. When you see that nothing ever happened to me to be forgiven, that's atonement. That's a whole other ballgame. Yeah. So self-centeredness is a form of looking. Sort of like a distorted pair of glasses, yes? We're suffering from the distortion, so we're looking for other pairs of glasses, like Buddhism and other things, yes? To put on to correct those distortions. They will correct the distortions, yes? But now you're sounding with two pair of glasses. Yeah? And so the mind will try to claim the Buddhism too and become a Buddhist, which could be very dangerous, yes? <laughs> this is about, all right, yeah, let's correct the distortion and then entertain the possibility that what I was calling my eyes are a pair of glasses called self-centeredness and I can take them off and see again. Yes? Naturally see. Clear, not concentrated, not focused, clear, wide lens type seeing. Yeah? And then in that, that aperture, a lot goes in and out. And there's a sense of what's moving in and out. And it ain't about you. <laughs> and it's not from a thing. And you, you start intimating what's so by its effect on your seeming self, you know, your apparatus as you're living. You come to know it, but you can't know it as an object. You come to know it as itself. What's your yes. philosophy to life? What? What's your philosophy to life? I don't have one. That's my philosophy. I don't know what I have. I don't do anything really. I just show up. I, you know, I, I understood this view. No, that's what we're presenting here is a view, but then we're talking about vision. They're two different things. A view is an understanding that can help you here. Yeah? But vision is is beyond here. Yeah? A vision stabilizes, a view can come and go. You can have a view, but someone means, talks about another view, you may, say, you may give up your previous view. But seeing can't be given up. Seeing can't be returned, it can't be altered, it's seeing. Yeah. It's vision, it's different. Yeah, so, so I would say yeah. the massaging, selfing is like watching without maybe the attachment of real sometimes of this thing. It can even be watching attachments. You can watch what your mind is calling you getting attached. Yeah, so watching attachment, but not getting, maybe reacting or empowering because of that. No, just I not being the one that could react. Even if a reaction occurs, it's not you that reacted. So in other words, take it the way it comes, without any presumptions. Or yeah, why not? And that is what will make the things better, right? I think that's actually an effect. You can't use that as a discipline. You're not going to get there by entertaining that. If you entertain you're not an idea of the self, that may be a byproduct. But you won't get there through that as a discipline, I don't believe. Yeah? In other words, when the selfing falls away, there's a lot of effects from that. 
But those effects couldn't be used as a discipline to help the self in fall away. It's just that I don't see it working that way. It's it's just entertaining. You're not that. And if the mind, if it's sort of, if the grace is there or whatever, if the mind goes, aha, and then it actualizes that possibility. And then you see it by its fruits as you're living. Yeah? You're living and things are happening, and yet you're traveling a lot lighter through all these seeming things. And then you know it by its freaking fruits. Yeah? So what you're saying is you're all right already. Yeah. But not you. You're the only one that isn't. <laughs> because it's me, not you. Yes, right. What you are is the seeing. 
not what's being seen. Yeah. What you are is the context, not what's appearing in the context. What what brings you the context is is what brings you the content every day is context. Content, this is content, does not bring content. Context allows content to be seen. Context is seen. Yeah? It's not involved in the content. It's not appearing. It's like that space or that sky. Yet it allows everything to appear. And how things are noted is by what's seen, not the thing that's being noted. I am not noting anything in this room. Seeing is noting it. Yeah? Seeing is bringing me this life. Seeing is this life. Yeah? So in a sense, 
the degrees only become seemingly real here in the appearances of bodies. I don't think on the level of consciousness there's degrees, yeah? I don't think there's, uh, you know, I'm on the 40th longitude of heaven now, you know, and you're only on the 38th, so too bad for you. You'd love it up here, but you'll never get it. And the last point, very quickly, was this idea of excitement. For you. Yeah. Is that something that isn't uh, useful or something that you still experience? Or? I experience it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, sure. There's nothing like riding waves. It's very exciting. Yeah. Sometimes it's exciting exploring these ideas with people because I see the mind light up and they, the mind got it and then the people go home and think about it and they think they've lost it. But I see the ahas occur in people when I share and I really like that. That's cool. I'm excited about that. And I'm obviously excited about this message or I wouldn't be, this is, you know, I wouldn't, well, this is like a seat assignment, yeah? Like a seat assignment. And first of all, they're all musical chairs. There's no seat with an engraved name, my name on it. It's just while the music isn't playing, I'm sitting here sharing this. The music can start and then they go back to painting, you know? They do something else. Who knows what's going to happen? So, <laughs> it's just a seat assignment. So this, and that's exciting to me. I love uh, watching mind expand. I have total faith in mind here, total faith in it. I don't believe you need a browbeating or constant supervision or vigilance or purification. I just believe your mind needs to entertain a possibility it hasn't been introduced to yet. It has the ability to entertain. Look at how much you're entertaining, like, the length of my, my pants. I could go home and go over the whole night. Were my pants too short? Did anyone notice? And I could entertain that for eight hours, yeah? Can you imagine if you allowed your mind to entertain something that could possibly be true? What could happen? Find out. That's why I have total faith in mind. I'm just introducing it to you like it was introduced to me. I was practicing a lot of stuff, and this idea of, Instead of looking for the next technique of meditation, to ask who's the meditator, never dawned on me. And I needed to hear it from someone outside. And when I did, my intention and interest, instead of going out there, trying to figure out how I was going to get an advantage, I questioned, who is it that wants an advantage? Yeah? And then I, I didn't find anybody. Hallelujah! <laughs> I swear! I knocked, I called, I texted, nothing. I never got an answer. It would say, well, I'm you. It would say, who are you? Me. Yeah, that's just an identified you. Yeah. Who's that? And nothing. Silence. Yeah. And I kept asking. No one ever came up to the door. So I figured nobody's home. <laughs> and that's really living. <laughs> yeah. So that's all. That's how it happens. So I have that faith. That's why I like to share it. I guess because I know that you, your mind has the ability to entertain. Me. Religion? Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I would say it could be a form of expression, but I don't think it's a way to get anywhere, in my sense. But again, mind is mind, so if the mind... I had a man, his name was Peter Fonda. He was a cobbler. He made shoes for uh, Mother Teresa. He's a little Italian guy on Church Street in New York, in uh, San Francisco. And I got run over by a car, and one of my legs is shorter than the other leg. So I have to get lifts, you know, on my shoes, five-eighths of an inch, so that my back is somewhat balanced. So I found out this guy, and he, he started making my orthopedic shoes. And I loved going into his little cobbler place, because the guy was awake. 
he had pictures of Mother Teresa. He was a devout Catholic, but this guy was exuding presence unbelievably. Super small guy, he's like 70-something years old. Uh, it was just incredible. So I made excuses to stop in there. I just hang out in this in this little thing, and, and I bring him pictures of from from Thailand of Buddhas, and he was like, ooh, but he put it up. You know, <laughs> and the like, tree and he had that up there, and he was going against everything, but he liked it. You know? But his a sense of energy, his presence was just very attractive, and he had no idea that he was anywhere. That's what's so beautiful about it. Yeah. And, uh, but I loved it. I like that. I like that sense of certainty that people have. Yeah, that they're, they're just know for sure something is so, and it's attractive. And I think it's helpful. That's why in India they talk about satsang, association with truth. So if you hang out with people that are, have a certainty about this, it's contagious in a way. Yeah, the mind starts entertaining possibilities. It wasn't entertaining before it came in here. That's the beauty of us getting together. We're like a magnification, yeah? We all sit here, and then something gets magnified that goes unnoticed in our day-to-day life quite a lot. We're attempting to put a halt to that for a little while and then mag- and magnify this possibility. Let's pay attention to it for an hour or two and then see what entertaining that will do to all your other hours. I think it can be a huge influence in how you travel here, yeah? Why? Because it's happened, and it's happening. It didn't happen, it's happening. If it, if, it was a, if it was a verb that stopped, it wouldn't be worth its name. It doesn't stop. It's verbing. It's happening. It wasn't an event that could come to an end. It goes on and on and on and on. It's incessantly on. Yeah? And it doesn't matter what you think, or what you feel, or what you did, or what you didn't do. It has no effect on that. Unless you believe it can. Unless you believe, unless your faith goes into that false thought system, what so will shine as what so. Yeah? So, Paul, would you, would you disagree with some of the research, from, again, from a Western science perspective, you know, studying the brain and seeing, you know, you know, why addiction is formed or why habits form, and the idea that, you know, whether the brain is plastic or not, but this idea that it's, it's grooved to get created, the yeah, same yeah. thought, the same action, because the group. But again, from your sense, it's just this idea that you're just transcending beyond the group, regardless whether a person was addicted for 20 years or not. If they wanted to, they could snap right out of it. No, 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 no. What I'm saying, in a sense, is what illuminates that groove, what brings you alcoholism is seeing. Without the seeing, there'd be no one to be noticing alcoholism. Yeah? So something moves through the conditionality that the brain is, that projects, and then that's what's what we're living in and as, yes? The solution to it is if your house is on fire, get a pail of water. If you have an alcoholism, you better treat it, yeah? Because it's going to dominate your attention and interest. And you may think you're a real, like a super high-level Buddhist, but if you're an alcoholic Buddhist, you're fucked. Because alcoholism will run over the Buddhism. It will. I've seen a lot of people with huge spiritual resumes go out. Yeah? Because it's, it's like a mental disease. You, don't, you can't take an x-ray of alcoholism, but you can see its effects on the body. But it changes your perceptions and the thought system. Alcoholism infects the mental process that produces self So it produces an alcoholic self yeah? that has been categorized and seen for the last 70 years. And has been detailed as characteristics, and they're not legion. They're very simple characteristics that everyone who has been taken over by alcoholism 
demonstrates. That's the beauty of when you go into a recovery meeting. You come into the meeting in the sense of terminal uniqueness. No one ever thought the way I think. And no one ever felt the way I feel. And no one ever did what I did. And then you hear people share their thoughts, their feelings, and they, what they did, and they sort of sound like yours. And you're like, what? How did they get my thoughts and my feelings? They're not yours. All of us, all of these little minds, seeming minds, have been taken over by one parasite called alcoholism, and everyone's expressing similar traits through them. And all the while the traits are moving through them, the narrator in here is claiming, I'm the one who's doing it. I'm this. I'm that. That's the bondage of self. And are you saying that most of these addictions are far more similar than different? Not just alcoholism and drugs, but any form of addiction. Is it far more similar in terms of... Uh, well, I think they're all, they're all attempting to get relief from the primary addiction, which is called addiction to self. And one, one last question I'm going to ask, and I'll let a couple more questions go, is uh, are, you, are you suggesting that something like meditation is really a waste of time? No, I'm not suggesting anything like that at all. I would say the meditator is a waste of time. Meditation could be really cool. But if it's you meditating, you're going to have to do a lot of time on the pillow. <laughs> I'm serious, I've done it. So, I don't know, I could be different. Other people might be a lot better off than me. But I did a lot of retreats in Thailand and stuff. I sat here 13 hours, 14 hours a day. Well, seven hours walking, seven hours sitting, with a, a thing of soup at 10 in the morning or something. I lost like 20 pounds at the time. Yeah. And uh, had incredible spiritual experiences, if you call them a phenomenon, but nothing radically ever shifted. <laughs> it's when I lost interest in the one who was meditating that everything shifted. So I, that's, where I, that's why I speak from here. I can't speak from there. Yeah. Because it's not so good. It may have a big role to play, but I don't... To me, I think mind is mind alone. And the mind has the ability, because it's not of a time... It's not a timeless... It's not a time quality. It's timeless. So the solution isn't from there and then. It's always available right now. Yeah? Let's, let's take uh, two, two questions, maybe three, before we wrap up right then. So you have a question? Yeah, just in regards to, um, I guess you could say, victimization. It seems like a lot of people they either self-victimize or you see other people that kind of want to play the victim. Like yeah, that's sort of like I guess you could say like an addiction in itself. Is there a way that maybe like like I see let's say for example uh, there's one guy I work with um, he's like a classic victimized kind of guy like you kind of want to slap him a couple of times just because like you know stop it sort of yeah. like you know you're doing this to yourself. How would, let's say, for example, how would I help that? Or should I even? I don't know. Just open up, maybe open up to the possibility of being a help and see what comes. Yeah? In other words, if you open up, let's say, to the possibility of being of service, service may formulate around you. It may see possibilities you aren't seeing. But I don't have any road answer. This isn't like the Ten Commandments on a tablet. There's plenty of that around. I'm entertaining something that will illuminate whatever you're doing. The illumination won't be produced by what you're doing, but will illuminate whatever you're doing. Yes? Be that the work thing, be that meditating, being this and that. It will illuminate it. And then you'll know it. You'll know the quote-unquote problem by the solution. When a meditate, when, see the sense I have is being meditated, yes? Meditated, like all the time. 
meditating. Like something. There's an awareness. <laughs> it's just a it's just a feeling. I like it quite a lot because so wherever I sit, it, it you're already there. Yeah? Because it's not like a med- it's not like there was some time before you meditated and after you meditated. There's you're being meditated. Twenty four hours. Every, all the time. Sleeping all the time. Something is on all the time. Even in deep sleep is the greatest rest of all, because then there is no selfing going on. Yeah? The mind is resting in its own nature for a few hours, and that's what re- resuscitates you, regenerates the energy for your next day, basically. Yeah? So that place where we find true rest when we're asleep can be a true restful place when we're awake. Yeah? yeah? It's available. What's your take on responsibility? I hate it. <laughs> my take on responsibility? I actually call it more accountability for me. Okay. So I'm accountable for actions that happen through this. But uh, I think everyone has an overblown sense of responsibility. It's way overboard. Like somebody walks out of the room, I'll feel responsible that they walked out. Yes? You know what? Someone you want to oh, it's me. It's, we have an exaggerated sense of responsibility. And for me, accountability works a lot better. When I do my amends in AA, we do a process where you make amends to people that you aren't. All of them were accountabilities, not responsibilities. Because I was taken over by alcoholism. I was not under any delusion that I was choosing any behavior. If I drank and used, this was what was going to happen. And that's what happened. So I went back. So how do you distinguish between accountability and responsibility? Well, accountability is sort of like a... An action happened, I seem to be involved in it, I'm going to make amends for it. Okay, that would be accountability. Responsibility was action happened, I shouldn't have done it. That makes me, I'm a really fucking terrible person. I'm never going to be able to yeah, show my face. That's a different story. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. So, that's how I sense it. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Anyone else before we wrap up there? Okay, I'm going to take a little more here. Oh, yeah.
So some people, they, they have to do anything not to have that dream. Yeah? On that level, that's what's necessary. Some people have to be supervised. Like a friend of mine, he cannot make it out here. And he doesn't want to go back in the program, but he has no other choice or no other option. He can't do it. So he has to come to that realization. And he doesn't want to come, so a lot of people have pushed him towards it, because that's the only way it will work for him. He has to have something between him and the next drink, and it can't be him. It's not working. Yeah? So there's a recognition of where you're at and what's out there. So like my body, I have conditions about health that I need to find masters that will help me with those things. Because I have blind spots about certain conditions. I can't see clearly about the condition of my body, but they can. So I find them, and if it works, it's fantastic. A solution occurs here that I couldn't have uh, participated in because I wasn't seeing clearly. So this is about, it isn't like you're beyond, beyond or above everything. You're just not what you thought you were. Yeah. The body has its own rules and conditions, and if you don't take care of it, they're going to have effects here that can grab attention and interest of the mind. And when that attention and interest gets sucked into physicality enough, there's going to really be a strong feeling of being a physical self. Yeah? So this is about finding, seeing where you're at, yes? Seeing what you need. It's like someone calls me and they're having a happy time not drinking, but they're talking about, but there is no self. I say, fuck that, go into a program tonight. Yeah? You don't, this isn't helping you entertaining this idea. Yeah? You're getting loaded. You can't stop. You have a physical craving and an allergy and an obsession of mind. Get somewhere. And then you can call me up in a month and talk about non-self and stuff like that. Yes? So if you have a condition of the body, it's not you having it. It's just the condition of the body. It's best to address it. If you can't address it, find some people that will help you address it. There's plenty of people that will. Yeah, that's what AA is all about. It's a we program. One alcoholic and addict helps another. That's what works. Yeah? So, <laughs> that's what it's about. It's, it's not about, oh, you're not a person, you should be beyond it. There's never been a person. This is just what happens here. Addictions are like mental winds. They are seeking expression, and they found a very good way to express here through this form. And they take minds over. I've, I swear, I've seen people with incredible spiritual resumes and they have an imbalance of their brain, they need certain chemicals, like depressants, antidepressants, if they don't take them, they go on a crack run. They're smoking crack, I had to pick them up in a motel, a crack motel in San Francisco. And this guy is a highfalutin, big time, whatever, and there he was, a wreck, physically. And his mind was so, was totally absorbed in selfing. Totally, what he had total immunity to was taken to be real a day later, totally, False evidence appearing real seemed as real as real to be. Yes? This is a possibility that is not something you entertain once, and that's it. It's constantly being entertained by mind. You're not doing it. The mind entertains. Yeah? It doesn't take a break. It doesn't blink. It doesn't go on vacation. It's constantly entertaining on this. Yeah? The mind goes, oh, I'm not doing it today. It has nothing to do with what's happening. It's just a yapping about what's not happening. Yeah? You are that. So at that point, guys, you're welcome to chat with them afterwards. Um, and then certainly you can contact them afterwards. Well, I know Rob wants to make a quick announcement before I ask everyone. Go ahead.